0: People, beautiful people, you are here listening to us. That means it's either Friday or Saturday of Rivalry FM, FFM week. Yes, that is right. Florida State, the 9-0 Seminoles, they are played against the Miami Hurricanes who are 6-3 but are desperate for a win, desperate to stabilize the rocky ship of Mario Cristobal I'm here. I'm ready to go. I'm pumped. I know Dane's pumped because we talked about it. I'm over caffeinated at like 1030 at night on a Thursday when we're recording this. But, dude, I don't even need it. I am stoked. I am ready to go. I cannot wait to talk to you about this game. This is my most anticipated and thy enemy. And brother, we've had some bangers on this channel with this show. And I don't say that lightly. Dane, how are you doing, man?
1: Oh, I'm doing really well. I'm glad to know that I'm, that, that you are also uh like over caffeinated at 10 32 PM. That makes me happy. Um, but yeah, again, like, just like you, we, we do not need that for this one, this, I am pumped for Saturday. Um, I mean pretty involved with the recruiting coverage doing those 24 seven, like so much, I mean, just uh, like a historical amount of fun stuff going on over there. Um, but yeah, this game is, is just as exciting. It's it's Miami weekend.
0: We have a lot to be excited about. Absolutely, dude. You're compiling notes. You're getting stats. You're look talking to players. You're dropping mega recruiting scoop. Guys, I normally say this for the end, but I'm going to do it at the beginning. If you are not on Knowles247.com, you will be ridiculed. You will be the last kid picked to dodge ball. You will be an outcast because there are so many things that are going to happen this weekend and Trust me, people, beautiful people, you want to be on the like the cutting edge of knowing it all. There's going to be a ton of just a ton of information dropped over the weekend. And it's going to start with Noel, I enemy. Dane, let's talk about these Miami Hurricanes, a team that is. It's kind of hard to talk about them a little bit because it's it's hard to even know what they are. They're six and three. They've got wins over teams like Texas A&M where the offense looked explosive. They had a a pretty hard-fought win over a Clemson team that gave FSU some trouble with their backup quarterback, but they've also got some really, really befuddling losses to teams like NC State. UNC was more of just kind of like a straight-up offensive shootout, but then, of course, the knee game. That weirdo (laughs) one to Georgia Tech. I mean, it's a team that, it's a cliche, but a lot of people say that teams take on the personality of their head coach. Mario Cristobal is a guy that a dog on the trail, obviously very good at recruiting. He's there's been a lot of chaos kind of following him. I mean, he's on his second offensive and defensive coordinator in uh, as many years. And it just kind of seems like this chaotic Team That could be so hit or miss is really taking on the personality of their head coach as far as how the advanced analytics look at Miami uh, going to S&P plus, which is the one that we always use. Like I say, it's not the gospel, but directionally, It'll give you how good uh, the quality of this team's play is. They have them as a fringe top 25 team, the 26 team overall. 26th best overall with the 38th best offense, the 26th best defense. However, Miami is kind of trending in the wrong direction. They dropped three spots from last week after their just pretty gross loss to MJ Morris and NC State on the road. Uh, how that compares to Florida State, SP Plus has Florida State, eight overall, ninth best offense, and the 11th best defense. Dane, what type of what do you make of Miami's performance? Do you think they're closer to the team that beat Texas A and M and Clemson, or do you think they're more like the team that lost to NC State and uh, and Georgia Tech at this point?
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to think they're they're closer to the team that we just saw last week than they are the the team that they were in week three or whatever. But um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's an odd team. It's kind of almost like cliche Miami in a way. Like they have plenty mm-hmm. of talent, you know, but they're also really inconsistent and kind of fall apart and unravel at the end of the year. Um, I mean, that's like, I don't know. That's that it sounds, I guess, cliche is what I just said, but that's, that feels pretty true for this team. Um, but yeah, definitely very capable, a high ceiling team. I mean, it's generally a pretty young team, like, especially the top talent that they have, but, uh, and those guys are getting better and and still playing well, but it's it's kind of a confusing team for sure. And I think, well, we'll get into it, but I mean, offense is probably the biggest part of that in their quarterback situation.
0: Because the, the talent's there, the talent's yeah. there. You know, they've recruited pretty well over the past couple of years. Believe it or not, they have utilized the transfer portal pretty heavily. Um, and that, to their credit, they've gotten some impact players out of that. But man, it is just. Mercurial is the adjective that I would describe this team as, and the most mercurial of all is the quarterback position. You've got a dude two years ago slinging the rock all over the place like a like a like a red haired Vinny Testaverde from Connecticut, and Tyler Van Dyke is just not the same player. Whether it be from injury, whether it be from from a mental standpoint, whether it be from like seeing the field confidence issues, who are we going to see play quarterback for Miami and I guess, which one would you want to see the least, Dane?
1: Yeah, I think, um, I mean, I guess it's been discussed as like a three quarterback uh, thing. Which is is always
0: good in week 10, the old three quarterback (laughs) system. That's, it's very normal.
1: (laughs) Yeah, um, I I think uh, in the three guys would be Tyler Van Dyke, who's, you know, guy Trey speaks of, and and that you probably know. He's been the established guy there. Emory Williams is a true freshman, um, whoever he was really involved with. So they. They know about him pretty well, really well. Um, and then Ja'Curie Brown, who's a second-year guy who hasn't played a snap all year, but he's kind of like almost like a wild guy quarterback if they were to go this direction. I don't think they will. Um, I think they probably will go with Tyler Van Dyke um,
0: again. He, uh, How yeah, short I, is that leash, Dane, if they do go with Tyler Van Dyke? I can tell from just the online discourse, which... I've got a couple of Miami Hurricanes fans that I know and I, I I cherish truly, but I'll be honest with you, they're not really the paragon of online discourse. They're pretty they're pretty nuts, and they are not a fan of Tyler Van Dyke. It has been a while since I have seen a team trash a player uh, with such a virulent disdain as I've seen. Now, <laughs> do we think that T V D has a lot of has a lot of leeway to make mistakes, or is his time in the game T B D? <laughs> I yeah, um, thank you for the courtesy laugh. I appreciate it. <laughs> I think uh I think it's definitely fair to
1: think he probably does have a short leash. I mean, it's I think it's getting progressively short. And um like I think it's a mix of of a lack of confidence and uh, multiple injuries that he's had since like the preseason that he's so just accumulating more just adding on to this like injury list that he's dealing with. But he's been playing really bad. Um I mean in his last four starts Uh, Miami's one and three, there's three losses that they've had, including last week. And then beginning with a Georgia tech game. And then in those four games, he's also thrown 10 picks, which is like a ton in four games. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, dude, it's about two and a half per not great. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. But, um, but he's also the guy with the highest ceiling because he is a guy that, that has, uh, you know, I mean earlier in his career who's like mock draft as a as a future first rounder and that sort of thing he's a guy with a lot of size and a big arm and he was productive at the time as a younger guy but he is the ceiling that you need if you want to play uh play up to you know better competition and and beat a team that's i mean kind of i think objectively better than you and, and he's that guy if you were to go with emery williams um you know real uh rather uh that's a true freshman who's he did play. He did start against Clemson in the game that they won. That's a really impressive win that they had at Miami. But also, Emory Williams, I think like close to like half of the passes he threw or, like behind or around the line of scrimmage, and they really just didn't ask him to do much at all. Um, and I think it would be a similar story against FSU, and I don't think FSU would be there to um, to really. You know, let the ball go back and forth down the field on them and and I don't think they'd score a lot of points if they were to go that route. I think maybe it's the higher floor choice, potentially, which is kind of crazy to say, starting a freshman over Van Dyke. Absolutely. But um but it's Van Dyke is definitely the the high ceiling, you know, option and that's that's really what they need.
0: I think so, too, because we, uh, Adam, Kevin, and I took a look at the Miami offense. We eschewed our kind of traditional like film review where we reviewed Florida State. We reviewed Miami this week, the NC State, and the Clemson game. A lot of tunnel screens, dude. A lot of tunnel screens, wide receiver screens, stuff either five yard <laughs> Within five yards of the line of scrimmage, either forwards or backwards, they did not have a lot of explosive plays. That offense is built on a power inside running game which they are pretty successful at not very explosive either but to me. And especially if you can, if the defensive tackles can hold up against those double team blocks. And I think I, I, I want to talk about the Miami offensive line next. If the, if the Florida state defensive tackles can hold up against that, particularly the, the duo double team blocks and the inside zone stuff, and they can get this Miami offense off schedule, like get them into like a second and 12, even a second and 10, the offense is kind of dead unless they hit explosives. So I'm with you. It's weird saying the guy that's been there for like three years is like the high variance option, but to win this game, Miami is going to have to get some explosives against a Florida state pass defense. That has been one of the toughest in the entire country over the past month, statistically and via the eye test. It's, it's going to be a, it's going to be a tough assignment for offensive coordinator Shannon Dawson, particularly the way that that unit has played over the past couple. But I want to talk about the Miami offensive line because I think it is the strength of their team who is on it, Dane. And where where do you think that they're going to be able to attack this Florida State defensive line, if at all? Like, do you break down the Miami offensive line and tell me who who do you think is the better unit, their offensive line or Florida State's defensive line?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's uh I think it is the best group that they have on offense. Uh, I think that's, yeah, I'm pretty confident in saying that it's, it's a talented group across the board. It's generally a pretty experienced offensive line outside of, outside of their starting right tackle, Francis Malanoa, who is like as talented of a guy as there is in, probably in the country uh, at tackle. He's just a true freshman. So he's really not there yet, but he's, you Know a guy FSU's gonna have to worry about in the coming years, but um, but yeah, they have Mount Noah, right tackle, left tackle. You have Jalen Rivers, he's kind of a, a bigger body, maybe a guard, but he's a solid player too. Inez Cooper and Javian Cohen are your guards. Um, both of those guys are solid. Inez Cooper's a really good run blocker. Javian Cohen was a, a big time transfer out of Alabama this past offseason. Um, he was a starter at Alabama and then he came and now he's starting at a Starting at Miami. And then Matt Lee is one of the better centers in the entire country. He's the guy who's like 29 or something, but he's really good. Um, I mean, uh, like PFF grades Miami's offensive line as far as pass protection, at least. Uh, Mm -hmm. They are a better, like, pass protecting group than a run blocking group, kind of similar to FSU's. Yeah. Um, But they grade their, their, them as a pass blocking offensive line, like, extraordinarily well, pretty much across the board. It's, it's definitely a talented group. And um, you mentioned, like, you know how they like to to lean on duo and inside zone stuff. Like they want to get push, and I think they do an okay job of that. But they're stronger as as a pass protecting offensive line. and And you ask about the matchup with Florida State's defensive line, which is also the strength of FSU's defense. And I think it's, I guess for Miami, it's good that they have a strength in the offensive line because they can kind of counter that. But at the same time, it's it could almost be an advantage for FSU in a sense because. FSU's, uh, their defensive unit generally is just more impressive than Miami's offense. And you can almost negate the strength. I think that Miami has uh, in their offensive line.
0: I think so too. And I think something too, that people are, I think that you guys being, if you're listening to all my enemy, you're at the pinnacle of, of a learned individual and a watcher. This is week 10. Miami has put a lot of snaps On their guys, particularly that real, the really talented young guys, it's the kind of the exact opposite of how Florida state manages, especially their defense, right? Like with all the rotating and keeping guys fresh and all the load management, Miami does not do that. They have their horses and it doesn't matter if they're 18 or they're 29, they will put them out there and they will run them into the ground. And I think that you have seen, and we have seen on film, talented young guys like Francis Maui, Noah, Ruben Bain on the other side of the ball, who we're going to talk about guys that were huge factors in like week two or three, I think they're starting to wear down a little bit. Now I don't think that's going to be as big of a factor early on in the game. Adrenaline, um, energy rivalry, that'll be fine. But quarter three, quarter four, I think that this Miami team is going to hit a wall and it's just because they got a lot of snaps on them. So take a look for that as they have to keep going against like a Braden Fisk, a Joshua Farmer, a Fabian Lovett, who's been on kind of like a load management snap count. I think it's going to be a huge game for him, dude. I think you're going to see motivated Fabo because he has looked much, much better over these past couple of weeks. I think he's really going to put a stamp on it because if you need your defensive tackles to penetrate and or shed the double teams and get to their big running backs. And it's just going to be a tough task for that very good Miami offensive line over four quarters. In my opinion, especially with how much football they've had to play with the tough games, the overtimes, whereas Florida state has been winning their past games by three scores over the past month. And just a lot of, a lot less stressful situations of snaps for them to play. Now the Miami running backs, I think it's another talented group, not necessarily one that hit the big home runs, but big, tough guys to bring down that get you six to eight at a time. What do you think of the Miami running backs, Dane?
1: Yeah, it's a good stable of guys. I mean, they have four guys who so can really get it done for them. I think the guy who's probably going to be the one to get the most the most touches on Saturday for them, and the guy who's probably the most talented back they have is Mark Fletcher. He's a true freshman, another true freshman that plays a lot for them. That's been kind of relied on recently. Um. I mean that that whole stable of backs, those four guys. It's Mark Fletcher, uh, Don Chaney's like more of an older guy. AJ Allen's a young guy He's pretty good, and uh, Henry Parrish, is. He started the year as as the starter and was the the main guy last year, but he's been dealing with an injury the last like month or so, so he's kind of been getting the least touches of those four guys. But Fletcher, um, in this most recent game, got a ton of touches, and he's also just been really good. Like he's the guy with the kind of the scariest guy to me with his ball, with the ball on his hands. He's, um, he's listed six two, two twenty five. just a bigger back that moves well and like runs really physically breaks a lot of tackles. I mean, I remember seeing, um, um, I remember seeing him uh, he was at American heritage. I remember seeing him when he was a sophomore at the, uh, like high school state championship games. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think he was listed six two, two twenty five then as well, and and he just destroyed people. But I think he still has some of that in him. Like he's just always been a dude, and uh, he still is even as a freshman in college. But he has a he's an eighty five PFF grade this far in the season. It's very um, good. It's very good. Yeah, really high end. Like he's he's a true freshman, so I, I don't know how reliable he is as far as doing the little things. But as far as getting the ball in his hands, he's a he's a big dude that's tough to bring down, and he can um, he kind of helps their uh, like we're talking about ceiling and what they can do because yep. the ceiling is what you're looking for if you want to beat a team like Florida State that's really talented and disciplined. And Fletcher's the kind of guy you need to to have a big
0: game. I agree, and it's one of those things too. If you are going to be double teaming Florida State's tackles, hopefully you know we can split some double teams. But at the very at the very you know, least, maybe get a stalemate, soak up some of those blockers. That's going to put a lot of stress on your linebackers. That's going to put a lot of stress in your defensive secondary, in your run fits, taking down those guys. Missed tackles have plagued Florida State uh, at points during this season, and Florida State's linebackers, which I think are solid, veteran, a great unit uh, at times, I think their strength is in pass coverage and blitzing. I don't think it's necessarily in – thumping a guy, stopping the progress, and taking a two-yard run and keeping it a two- to three-yard run instead of letting them fall forward to a five- or six-yard run. You're going to have to do that against Miami's offense, and that'll just put undue pressure on the quarterbacks, which are erratic, to say the least. The Miami wide receiver core. At the beginning of the year, a lot of people were thinking that theirs was better than Florida State's. That's really funny looking at it now, because uh, they're not, but they're still pretty good. Who who should we worry about uh, Miami's wide receivers?
1: Yeah, I think there's, I mean, I have four guys listed in my in my notes and whatnot, but I they, I, they really cool. have, <laughs> they really have like three main guys that they target a ton, and uh, I think all three of those guys kind of do something pretty well in a unique way, like they bring something sort of unique. Um, But the main guy, Xavier Restrepo, he's their leader in targets and catches and yards and stuff. He's a guy with a lot of chemistry with Tyler Van Dyke. That's kind of, you know, the the narrative you usually hear. Mm. But he's a guy that does a lot of things pretty well. He runs really good routes. He catches the ball really well. He's, I mean, he he does pretty well after the catch too. He's he's a good player. He's going to play in the slot for them and he's a guy to worry about for sure. He's, I mean, statistically, especially recently, he's done really well. So he's something to deal with. I mean, I think FSU, like a uh, Jerry and Jones and the nickel has been pretty like quietly, really good. Absolutely. Um, but that's, that's a guy for, for uh Jerry and Jones to deal with, I guess, if you were to name one guy, but yeah, Rochefort is a good player. Uh, Colby Young is, is, kind of to me I think he's the most talented guy they have in that room. Um he's the bigger opinion, of the Colbys, right? He's the big Colby. <laughs> yeah, he's six okay. five, two fifteen. He is the big guy. Yeah. Okay. Um and he's I mean he's six five two fifteen. He looks like I mean he, he just he's looks like a really big dude and he's a pretty fluid mover. He's good after the catch. I think he just has a high ceiling and he can do a lot for you. I feel like that's not an offense that throws the ball deep a ton, but if they were to, he would be considered like a big deep threat, <laughs> mm-hmm. and uh, and I could say the same for the other main guy I want to bring up is Jacoby George. That's the smaller of the yeah, Colby Junior. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but he's a guy who who speed is kind of where he separates from the other two. I think um, there's a lot of speed and athleticism. He's a guy who another guy who could be a really good deep threat if they were to throw the ball deep a lot, but they don't. Um, and and he's another guy with with a a lot of chemistry with holly van dyke he's another guy with a lot of catches on the year and that sort of thing i mean they they like to throw the ball short a lot and it works with guys like Jacoby george and xavier strepo who have you know plenty of of quickness and wiggle to them but um but they're generally a pretty i think versatile group the three of them because they they all kind of specialize in something and then the other guy is is brashard smith and
0: speedster yeah
1: yeah definitely a speedster a guy that they kind of just try to get the ball in his hands whether it's out of the backfield or on a on a screen or something uh, as a wide receiver whatever it is because he can he can take it the distance he's just not someone that's relied upon to do um, a ton and, and get a ton of snaps outside of that
0: another day is here and you're ready for it what to wear check breakfast lunch and dinner check planning for what's next and how to save for it that's where bank of america can help For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, It's just not a passing attack that has a lot of diversity. And I mean, a lot of it is on the delivery mechanism. The quarterbacks have just been so, just so up and down, but they don't, from the film that we watched, there's not a lot of creativity, dude. It's like tunnel screen, tunnel screen, tunnel screen, short, short, short tunnel screen, tunnel screen. It's, RPO tunnel screen. So I think like, I mean, Miami does have the chance if they wanted to break out and like actually do some like offensive scheming and coaching, there's a lot of opportunities for them to have tendency breakers. I mean, you've seen it when Florida state's done it on like the fake wide receiver screen to Keon Coleman and then have them go, man, if Miami called up one of those against Florida state, dude, I think that they could, they could maybe generate an explosive passing play. But I, I foresee Florida state's corners being very aggressive I think you do everything in your power to take away that first read for that quarterback. And then you don't even have to have like a a muddy pocket. Van Dyke will throw it to you. And then of course, if, if he's not even in, you've got two young guys with not a lot of experience, man, you got a true freshman or a kid that hasn't played a snap this season. So it's, it's a good matchup for Florida state secondary. Now, if they do get the ball in their hands in those tunnel screen situations, Florida State has been known to have some hiccups in the open field tackling out of their secondary. It's been cleaned up, but it's still something where you can exploit them. Clemson exploited them, like make the secondary tackle. I think they've gotten better. I like their health. I think it is going to be a big game for the Nickels, like you said, Greedy Vance, Jerry Jones, those guys. So we'll see, but they're going to test you. They're going to make you bring them down. And if you don't, they could have some good yards after the catch. Moving on to the other side of the ball, I think this unit is the one, if Florida State fans do have heartburn, and I think they did a couple weeks ago, more than a lot of them do now, it would be talking about this Miami defensive line. Lance Gidry, their defensive coordinator, once again with the film that we watch, hyper, hyper, hyper aggressive. Man coverage, hyper aggressive, bringing a lot of pressure all the time not necessarily a lot of diversity on the back end. They have been, they do give up a pretty healthy explosive play rate on the back end. And we'll we'll talk about their secondary here in a bit. They may be coming in a little banged up, but that's, that's, you know, assuming you can even get the ball off because they're under duress all the time. So talk about this Miami defensive line and then maybe anything that you've gleaned just from watching their defense play in general. Yeah.
1: I mean, I I think it's a, generally a really solid defense to be honest but i think the best unit they have is that defensive line um earlier in the year maybe even the preseason no i think just earlier in the year i'm not totally sure but uh, two of the key guys they had on that defensive line were the Keem mesador and nigeli kelly and both of those guys are have been out um i think maybe mesador like really early and then kelly more recently i don't know anyway those guys are both really good players mesador more like inside and outside guy and Kelly was a, a young defensive end. That's been really good, but even without those guys, they've been, um, they've been really strong and that's uh, like they have their third in pressure rate as far as uh, power five teams go, which is really solid. Absolutely. And, and yeah, like, I don't think they're super deep necessarily, Um, they have guys like they have a a decent rotation, I guess, but the two main players in that defensive line that have like really stood out as blue chip talents that are performing to their talent at the moment is Leonard Taylor and Ruben Bain and Bain. uh, If you've heard of any one of that Miami defense outside of maybe Cam Kenchins, it's, it's been Ruben Bain because he's a true freshman that's been like just awesome for them. He's a guy who's, uh, he's not built like a typical like NFL defensive end. He's squattier and it's uh,
0: like a Melvin Ingram, dude. He looks like three yeah. technique that's good enough to play out on the outside.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, I mean, he was thought of as a three technique throughout all of high school recruiting process even if he was like a top 100 prospect it just seems like his ceiling's always been there and he looks like one but yeah he always demanded that he was a defensive end now he's at defensive end and he's a really good defensive end mm-hmm. um but he's a heavier guy i think he's like 280 i don't have it in front of me but he's, he's like six two and a half 280 maybe something like that i mean he's he's a fire yeah, hydrant dude yeah he's a he is. Yeah, he is he's got a ton of of strength in his lower body. Like he's explosive. He's strong. Um, he's a guy to worry about for sure. But he's also a guy who's going to game plan around and there are other main end of the industry, Jafari Harvey. Jafari Harvey. Thank you. I, I don't You're have welcome. it in front of me. I was, yeah. Um, you know, he's more of a veteran guy that you have to worry about less, but on the inside, yeah. Leonard Taylor, he was a former five-star defensive tackle who, last year is a really young guy kind of came on toward the end of the year and was playing super well. He's been playing super well this year too, wrecking havoc. Like that's a guy who's potentially a first round pick in the future as well.
0: And then Dane, even um, before, yeah. before we move on, do you have the PFF grades in front of you? Leonard Taylor's been a little bit up and down though, right? Like his good is really good, but against the game, I think the Virginia game, he had a pretty terrible PFF grade. Do you have the game by game stuff? Cause he's very talented, but it seems like he kind of, he's kind of like the James Williams of their defensive line, right? Mm. Just very like spikes and up and down. Am, am, am I onto something or am I totally wrong here?
1: You are onto something. I'm looking at it now. Yeah. I mean, he has, he has three games where he's like 87 plus, Which um, is, like nearly elite. Clemson. Yeah. But he also has a game. Uh, Virginia is sort of an outlier, honestly. But yeah, 49.8. Um, he's, He's a guy with a super high ceiling that I would expect to play
0: his best in this kind of game, but also, yeah. Um, and then what's yeah. Bain's trend Ben? Cause that is a kid when I'm talking about kids that have had a lot of snaps, that's a kid that we saw, especially in that NC state game didn't have the same type of power that he had in week two or week three. Now that kid is still a load and he is going to deliver a punch to either bless Harris or Robert Scott or, J- or Jeremiah Byers, but man he seemed it's just it's a lot of wear and tear on those on that on that true freshman body. How's his how has his um trajectory been throughout the year as far as like from a statistical standpoint?
1: Yeah, he um I mean as far as like PFF grades and stuff sure. he's, he's been pretty solid for sure. He's another guy with a handful of like elite grade games and he's pretty Steady across the board, honestly. Okay. But he's also a guy in the last, I think, four games, he's played like over 80% of the team snaps. I think against, maybe it was Virginia. He, I mean, he played 74 snaps against Virginia.
0: That's a ton for an 18, 19-year-old kid, man. And
1: especially defensive lineman, Especially a guy who's 280 pounds. That's pretty absurd, honestly. That's kind of unheard of. I think it was like 94% of the overall snaps uh, that that defense so took. That really is a ton. Like That's kind of excessive. I mean, not saying that they're doing anything wrong by doing that, but it does have consequences and the consequences relative to what FSU is doing is, you know, advantage FSU in that regard.
0: It's so opposite. These programs are so different in their methodologies and so many different areas. And this, when you talk about the usage of Florida state's defensive line, they're coming in relatively fresh, man. Like even for guys, even for older dudes like Jared verse compare his snaps to like a Ruben Bain. And it's just, It's interesting. Now, this type of stuff, you need to pay attention to it in the second half. I mean, Florida State is a team that is built to out-depth you. I think that Florida State is going to have a hell of a time running on Miami if they ever can. But, dude, they are ripe for an explosive in the third or fourth, and it might be the one that puts the game away. Now, it's a talented team, but like you said, when I hear the depth is an issue for the team that you're playing, especially in a rivalry game on the road, You're going to come out with a lot of energy, but dude, you might just, you might just blow your wad real quick and then you're recovering. You're recovering because there is an energy and an adrenaline dump. So anyway, keep going defensive line. Anybody else to talk to? They're a very talented unit for sure.
1: Yeah. I was going to mention Branson Dean is a guy who, who doesn't necessarily start for them on the inside, but he's like a good rotational piece, but yeah, like you're talking about depth. It's, um, It's not a strength of theirs clearly because a guy like Bain does have to play ninety percent of snaps or something in a in a longer game. Like that's that implies that kind of proves that you don't have that kind of depth because you don't really want to have to do that. It's also a tight game that you're worried you're going to lose, Mm -hmm. so you're going to play your best guy. But um, I think the proof is in the pudding there.
0: I think so too. Let's move back a level. I'm pretty impressed with our linebacking unit, at least when it comes to the kid uh, Maui Noah's brother, Francis Maui Noah, When he he really popped on film in like the pressure game, the pass rushing game, he's a thumper, dude. He's kind of the things that he does. It's like he's kind of like the anti-FSU linebacker a little bit. Like it's just different what he does because when he does hit the running back, they do stop in the hole. He's a very impressive specimen, very instinctive. I think you may be able to take advantage of him. I think he may be able to take advantage of this entire Miami defense on screens, your tight ends. Um, but what do you think of this linebacking unit? Am I, am I maybe not giving them enough credit in the pass coverage game? They are very impressive dude. And it, it like I said, it's going to be tough sledding to run against Miami early.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's a like Miami has in the last half decade or so has been pretty bad at linebacker and they definitely are this year. I got, I mean, you mentioned Francis, uh, Francisco Maunoa, I he, I think he's their best linebacker. Um, sure, he, a transfer he pops from on Washington State. Yeah, yeah, and he's – I mean, he's a good player. I think he's just a well-rounded linebacker who has experience and, I mean, yeah, he's a talented guy. Um, and then they kind of have like four guys who they're comfortable playing and has have played a lot of snaps for him, honestly. Um, Wesley Besanth is probably like the main starter opposite of Maunoa.
0: Another true freshman, yep.
1: Yeah, well, second or maybe even third year. Honestly, he was. Oh, guy has he been there
0: for a while? Okay. I yeah. know it
1: feels recent because he was. Because we lost day. him in that recruiting yeah. battle, not that long ago. Okay, maybe
0: <laughs> he has been there for a couple of years. My bad. I,
1: I remember it being maybe a few years ago because of kind of if if it was more established in the NIL era, things might have looked uh, different with how that unfolded. Pre-TBE,
0: understood. Keep going.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. But yeah, Wesley was saying he's a former four star guy uh, that FSU was involved with. He's yeah, I think a guy who's kind of built to be a better pass coverage guy.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: and he's he's just a more athletic linebacker, kind of a, a longer, more athletic build. But uh, Corey Flag, I think, uh, yeah, Flag. He uh, he's the oldest guy they have. He's been around forever. He's like an undersized but reliable guy who. Has started for a number of years and hasn't been great as a starter, but as like a rotational guy that you can deploy kind of selectively, he's, he's solid for sure. And, uh, Cloyd is the other guy. Um, he's another solid player. They, they have that rotation of four, though, is kind of interesting because they, they seem to be confident in, in all four of those guys. And, and David saw out of that position since. And I think it's made a pretty big difference in the consistency of that defense. Um, but also just a defense in general, because they've, they've had a good one.
0: I don't think we're going to be able to run counter 47 times for a no. million yards like we did <laughs> last year. So yeah. that's an improvement over the unit from last year going. So we talked about where we think that it, it may be in the entire game where Miami would have the biggest edge over Florida State, that defensive line versus our offensive line. I don't think it's a massive edge when you account for depth in a full 60 minutes, but I would still give Miami the edge. I think we're going to talk about here – where I think Florida state has the biggest edge on Miami and that's their secondary versus Florida state's receivers. Uh, what do you think, dude, what shape are they coming in? They've got really talented safeties, but they're talented in like an interesting way. Miami gives up a lot of explosives in the passing game. You've got guys like cam Kenchins, who he's got a lot of interceptions this year, but they're still giving up the big play. James Williams who can deliver a great shot and it's 50 50, whether he actually wraps up his arms after he delivers the shoulder or not. So it's just, it's just, it's a hard unit to peg dude. It's talent. It's just like their whole team. They're talented, but they're, I don't know if I want to say undisciplined, but I guess it's just momentary lapses of focus. What do you think about Miami secondary? What kind of shape are they coming in?
1: Yeah, it feels like a lot of variance. I, I I know what you're saying for sure. Um,
0: right. it, it, but, um, but yeah, it's a secondary. Like
1: you said, they do give up a good amount of explosives as it is. Um, but it's kind of the story of the game to me, as far as specifically their outside corners, because those are two guys, Jaden Davis and Daryl Porter Jr., who who went down in the last game.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And Mario Cristobal is very stingy about a uh, you know uh, injury information. I think he apparently he called Daryl when he was asked about Daryl Porter who. Of the two, I think, is less likely to play. Like I think his injury was pretty clearly bad. Yeah. Um, and he described him as perfect when he was asked huh. about him. And then Jaden he Davis... uses
0: that word, and he may not know what it means. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was the opposite day that day. But yeah, Jaden Davis is the other guy. Um, but I, I don't know if they're both likely to be out, but I think... I think that's probably what's going to happen is both of them miss the game. And if that does happen, I mean, those are both solid corners they have on the outside, both pretty reliable guys, not fantastic players, still guys that you would think, um, you know, if FSU, like, and that's the other big question, the other side of this coin, is if they can get, if FSU can get Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson back. Sure. Or just at least one of them. But um, if they can get one or even both of those guys, this would still be, a matchup you look at and think maybe you can you know you're going to have to figure out how to take advantage of that and I think they could on a guy like Jaden Davis or a guy like Daryl Porter but if they both miss this game and you have to rely on the transfer Devontae Brown uh, and his brother his younger brother who is a true freshman Damari Brown another guy FSU is very involved with he was a blue chip guy out of American Heritage um, then it gets even better for FSU because those are <laughs> I mean they are backups, but like Demari Brown again is he's, he's a true freshman. And being a true freshman corner, being asked to guard a guy potentially like Keon Coleman, potentially Johnny that's Wilson rough, or dude. Darion Will, uh, Williamson or Kentra, I- anyone. That's scary to do in an environment like they're gonna they're gonna see in Bill Campbell. That's that's pretty intense stuff. And I think if for a defense that already struggles with giving up explosives and I mean, yes, it's a good defense. It's a pretty consistent defense overall. But them giving up explosive in the pass game is probably the biggest weakness they have. And if they have these guys missing on the outside with FSU's strengths of not just having talented wide receivers, but throwing the ball downfield or creating explosives really well. like it's, It feels like a very strong advantage for FSU potentially if FSU plays their cards right. And they tend to in these kind of games.
0: And if Miami plays FSU and Jordan Travis, the way they played everybody else, Jordan Travis is one of the best quarterbacks in the entire country under pressure. Um, I don't know if that's, I know that that's in this dude's DNA. If I was a Miami fan, I don't know that I would want to see that. I would try to look at ways to confuse him. I would look at ways to take Jordan. Travis doesn't have very many turnovers on the year. There's a couple interceptions that were dropped. Miami's got some pretty good ball hawking safeties, man. I try to confuse them post snap and then play a little bit of coverage and maybe try to turn one of those turnover worthy plays into an actual turnover because you're going to need explosives and you're going to need turnovers to beat FSU over 60 minutes, dude. We've talked about it week after week after week, Florida state is a zombie. They will not die. They will keep coming at you for 60 minutes. They're going to need some big explosive momentum plays to keep them in it. Um, and if Gidry's going to bring the heat, man, I could, uh, I, I am very confident that Mike Norvell has a lot of man beating, pressure beating stuff that is really going to take advantage of that aggressiveness. Let's go to the predictions. Mine are usually worse, so I'm going to go first. This is a rivalry game, like I think I said in my preview last year. Rivalry games are like the Outback Steakhouse, no rules. You never know what's going to happen, but the way that the two teams are playing, just the trajectory of both. Florida state, I think is continuing to play better weirdo pit game with none of their offense and everybody else hurt aside, Florida state is playing better as the year's going on. Miami is playing worse. The effect of the snaps is getting to them on their defensive side of the ball. It is going to be tough sledding for Florida state running in the first half. I do think there's going to be a number of drives that are short circuited. Not every single drive is going to get points. Miami will be able to get Florida State off schedule, I think, with some negative tackles for loss, things like that, maybe even a turnover here or there. So not every drive is going to result in points, and that will be frustrating for the Florida State viewer. But over the course of 60 minutes, Florida State is going to wear down Miami. Florida State is going to scheme their receivers open. I do think Florida State's going to have at least one, if not both, of the Johnny-Keon combo back. I don't know anything. That's just kind of what I think based on how that pit game was managed. Um, and I think that that's going to be enough. I think they're going to take advantage of the aggressiveness of the Miami Miami uh, defense. I think that the screen game particularly has been a very positive development for Florida state plays that we're not hitting at the beginning of the year. The offensive line is looking much more comfortable in space and with having those weapons on the outside back, it's going to make the run game look better because they can't put eight or nine dudes and run blitz every play. Like they did uh, like Pitt was able to, they're going to have to respect the explosive. So on offense, I think you're going to get enough points. And when Miami plays a good offense, like UNC, They haven't been impregnable. They gave up nearly 40 to A&M. They gave up 41 to UNC. I think Florida State's got a better offense than both of those. So I expect Florida State to score big. And on the defensive side of the ball, they're going to give up. They're going to give up some runs. I don't think they're going to have many explosive runs. There is going to be some frustration there seven eight six five some good success rate on the runs but florida state's going to put the clamps down in the red zone where the accuracy of your quarterback the field is compressed where accuracy becomes more paramount and miami is just not going to get enough points man so i'm going to go 41 to 21 i think florida state covers the spread i think it looks tight early and i think florida state is going to outlast them and this prediction could get thrown out the window if florida state is able To get a turnover off Tyler Van Dyke early, if they are able to score, if they could open up the playbook with an explosive on that first drive, like similar to last year, I think that this is a Miami team that is ripe to crumble in dope Campbell. So I think it could even 41 to 21. And man, if you could get it, if you could put it on him early, you got the chance, you got the chance to really just take out that pillow and smother him to death. So it's going to be an interesting game and it could go the opposite way. If you don't take care of that ball security, you start to give Miami a little bit of hope that rivalry juju starts to happen. And it could be a close one at Doak. I don't expect it. Uh, Florida state's the better team top to bottom 41, 21. Gosh, I agree on like everything you said. Come you on. Had, no you had way. so many good points right there. Stop too. it. I get lucky um, every now and then
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I do think Yes, I think Miami is probably going to find some down to down success because that's like their entire offense. That's what that's based on, and they aren't honestly aren't haven't been great at finding it. Um, but maybe they do in this game. <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, but FSU is also really good at just when teams against these teams that do like to sustain drives and and drive down the field. I think FSU is good in the red zone and good at limiting points. Um, I don't think. I don't think Miami is going to surpass 20 points in this game. I don't know if FSU crosses 40, that'd be pretty great. And I think they totally can because I mean, of all the reasons you mentioned and we've talked about, but also, yeah, that, that blowout potential is, is there um, for sure. But as far as a prediction, I think mm-hmm. I'm going to go, Oh, I'm going to go 35 to, uh, Boy, 35 to 13. Oh, I say like that? it.
0: That's the one I had in my head, too. I'm with you. If it looks like mine, I'm happy, Dane. If it looks like yours, I'm happy. We know you guys are happy because that was another cracker jack of an episode. An old I enemy, Dane. I am just like, I'm still pumped. I think the caffeine is wore off. I'm still pumped. <laughs> I cannot wait. And you guys are going to just in. It's an historic weekend for many reasons. Florida State is on the cusp. They're already in the conference championship game. Three games left in the regular season to really cement something super special. And it's already going to be a historic recruiting weekend. I think it's going to be, it's already been a historic weekend on Knowles 24-7. The leader in Florida State sports just keeps on leading. We are the best. There is no doubt in my mind. The team is fantastic. We're ready to play. The boys are ready to play. I know you people that are listening are ready to go absolutely psychotic at Dope Campbell Stadium on Saturday afternoon. Stick with Knowles247.com for everything that you need to keep up to date. We love you. Go Knowles. Keep chopping.